1: From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and concerns around mental health are a big issue in our society at large and on college campuses. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among college students, and national data indicates that the problem is not unique. About one in 12 students has a suicide plan. That's according to the National College Health Assessment. I'm speaking about some of the approaches to dealing with mental health on campus with Barry Schreier from the University of Iowa. He's Communications Committee Chair at the Association of University and College Counseling Center Directors. Barry, thank you for speaking with us.
0: Glad to be here. Thank you so much.
1: From the perspective of someone giving care to students, what kind of stressors are we seeing in kids?
0: So for this year, um, as it is with every year, Anxiety is is the highest ranking reason why students are coming in for counseling, followed quickly by depression. And when we say anxiety, we're not talking about nervous about my test tomorrow. We're talking typically about longer standing, perhaps more chronic, diagnosable anxiety. And depression, not meaning like having a down day, but again, probably longer standing, more chronic, uh, diagnosable depression. And those two diagnoses account for over half of the reasons why students come to the counseling services.
1: Well, a lot of people who listen could be thinking, oh, you know, I pulled all-nighters in college, you know, this, this is a stressful time. So are students really more stressed out than ever before? Have you seen a jump?
0: We have seen a jump. Factors such as uh, previous counseling, um, thoughts of harm to self, suicidal ideation, all have continued to, to grow in terms of uh, students presenting for counseling at campuses. All those Um, indices have continued to grow over the last four to five years. And so we are seeing an increase in those presenting concerns. It leads to the question of, like, why is this going on? Mm -hmm. Like, are, are students more mentally ill than they ever have been before? And the research is not clear on that. So we can't clearly state, we look at these factors, these factors are clearly leading to the fact that students are more mentally ill. What we are aware of is two critical factors. One is that students are certainly more distress. They they certainly present with much more levels of distress. And whether that translates into diagnosable mental illness is not entirely clear. But students clearly are presenting with much higher levels of distress than they've ever had. And some of the speculation about why that might be is, one, they are a generation that is exposed to, to, to everything all the time everywhere. And so when I was a college student, you know, and I was pulling my all-nighters, I wasn't exposed to everything going on in the world all the time. I, I got 30 minutes of news a day and that was it. Mm-hmm. And these students are exposed to everything, everywhere, all the time. That's combined with one of the things we know about this generation is it's not a generation that regulates its own emotions very well. They have a lot of strengths. It's a very strong generation. But one of the strengths that this generation doesn't have is re- self-regulation. So that, combined with a lot of distressful exposure, can create the presence of anxiety, depression, etc. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. And what is, the, what is the connection between those mitigating or temporary or even sustained events of anxiety and depression and larger mental health issues and concerns?
0: What we know is this, is that the self-reported lifetime prevalence of threat of self so this is non-suicidal self-injury, um, is up for four years in a row. Mm. And so the presence of ongoing anxiety and depression has critical outcomes for our students in terms of self-harm ideation and including also thoughts of th- and threats to others.
1: Right. And uh, suicide is the second leading cause of death among college students. I want to yeah. talk about threats to others because we do talk a lot about, you know, anxiety and depression manifesting. But there are bigger, you know, uh, we do know Some high-profile cases of psychoses and violent sociopathic behavior. I think of Virginia Tech, Santa Monica, mass shootings come to mind. How do you consider those cases and identifying potential perpetrators when it comes to mental health on campus?
0: You know, that's a really critical question, and it's, it's outside my area of expertise. There are folks on every single campus anymore these days who make their expertise area in the idea of threat assessment and threat management. What they will say broadly is that mental health and diagnosable mental illness is not necessarily an indicator of threat of harm to others. Mm -hmm. In fact, typically people who have diagnosable mental illness are unequivocally much more the victims of violence than they're ever going to be the perpetrators of it. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, And
0: if we have have 10 students with long-term chronic depression, while one of those students might act out and do engage in violence acts, nine of them won't.
1: Are there any models in the system of innovations on taking care of mental illness or at least monitoring it, you know, involving RAs, involving educators in helping to identify kids who might have trouble?
0: So campuses are being exceedingly proactive in terms of responding to the prevalence of mental health concerns. So in the survey this past year from the Association of University and College Counseling Centers, we asked, at your center, have you gained staff? And so, last year, 35% of centers surveyed said that they gained staff positions, and on average, it was almost eight staff positions. Mm-hmm. So, counseling centers and campuses are really beefing up in a lot in sort of ways we've not ever seen historically, in adding staff to their counseling centers to meet the demand. So, that's one thing counseling centers are doing and campuses are doing. The other thing that we're seeing proliferate, which is really very creative, is what we call our embedded models, mm-hmm. and these are models where. People are, uh, mental health professionals are being hired by the counseling center and being placed in other areas of campus outside of the counseling service. And so you might see staff, uh, therapists in the residence halls, and that's permanently where they are, is in a residence hall serving residence hall students. Uh, again, it's a proliferating model. We asked members of our association last year how many of you are doing this, and one in, at this juncture, one in ten campuses, over one in ten campuses had embedded positions. And five years ago, there weren't any. Um, And so we're seeing a huge proliferation, and it can include places like residence halls, athletics, uh, professional or graduate colleges, et cetera, et cetera. And so we are seeing a proliferation of that, and it's to to increase accessibility to serve typically underserved populations and to provide specialized services to our campus, like in sports psychology.
1: Mm -hmm. So that is bringing help to where the students are interacting. But we've also seen dramatic increase in depression among college students being reported, including one study that shows 40% of students say they feel depressed. That's up 8% from a few years ago. But also reporting that the percentage of students thinking about and actually attempting suicide have gone up. Do you think, looking at the system as a whole, are students just reporting the need for help more, or is it really a dramatically worsening problem?
0: It's a outstanding question and one we're still working to figure out, um, and you lay your finger on two of the critical issues, is one, is this just something that is up overall? Is it the way we're asking the questions of students? Um, and is it just perhaps we're suffering the problems of our success, which is we've done such a good job reducing stigma and normalizing the seeking of mental health ish services that we're just seeing a larger influx of students overall seeking and reporting these things? hard to know just yet, but we do know it's up and we're trying to figure out why that is.
1: What about the phenomenon of copycat events? Can these events trigger that?
0: Yeah. So one of the phenomenons we're aware of is what we call contagion, suicide contagion. Um, and it's not unusual for us to see a suicide on a campus and then see a second and even a third, sometimes a fourth or more, depending on the campus and the situation. So yes, contagion is a critical concern for campuses. When we sadly and unfortunately, sustain a suicide on our campus.
1: Mm. You mentioned earlier that this is a generation of kids who have great strengths, but also carry a lot of distress. In their life growing up, they've got information coming at them from all kinds of different directions. This is also a time of unsupervised behavior. Traditionally, when you get to college, uh, alcohol use, drug use, both prescribed and off-label, and the phenomenon on college campuses, especially of using Adderall and other brain boosters for studying. Any connection there are you and your colleagues seeing between drug use and possible depression or anxiety and even suicidal ideation?
0: Yeah, so they do run it hand-in-hand and we do ask students about their alcohol and drug use. Um, And uh, in terms of the correlation, uh, we certainly do see a correlation between alcohol and drug use and presenting mental health concerns.
1: How about antidepressants? There's a lot of research on the effects of how antidepressants affect developing brains. I think you can, no matter, depending on where you stand, you can look at evidence uh, pro and con.
0: Absolutely. I was looking at the data from the Center for Collegiate Mental Health earlier and we asked students when they come for counseling, you know, do you feel like drug and alcohol is a problem for you? And the numbers have mostly hovered pretty similarly and in some ways have fallen across the last few years. Um, so we ask students questions like, have you ever felt the need to reduce your alcohol or drug use? And it's hovered in sort of the low 20%. Um, it peaked about four years ago and has fallen a couple percent in the last couple of years. and so. That indicates to me that we are seeing campuses – and the University of Iowa is no exception – doing a lot of proactive work on their campuses to reduce um, drug and alcohol binge as well as um, uh, prescription medication binging.
1: Mm -hmm. How about the number of students who are seeking help? Does that increase in students seeking help tell us positive signs? Students feel empowered to get the help that they need? Or does this just point back to an increase in mental health issues on college campuses?
0: I'm glad you asked that question because often stories are really turned only towards, you know, the problems of this generation of students. And some of the things that we also know about this generation of students is, A, they're very civically minded, they're very civically engaged, um, which is a critical strength this generation, but they also again have they they seek mental health services they don't have the stigma and again stigma is not one size fits all for every community but they overall will seek mental health services in numbers that we've never seen them use before um, in surveying our, um, our counseling centers over half the students that are seeking counseling at a college have had counseling prior to coming to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they will have a history of that. The other thing we know is, on average, when a student comes for counseling, they're only going to come between four and five times for individual counseling, and then they're done.
1: Is that enough?
0: Uh, for a majority of students, it is. The, the the number one number of sessions that students use when they come to a counseling center, that the, the number one is, is one session. Mm-hmm. So the far majority of students are going to come to the counseling center once. hmm And so when we see high-level usage, we know for a fact, looking at data, that about 20% of the students use about 50% of the service.
1: We have to wrap in just a moment, but wondering if colleges and universities are able to keep up with this increased demand for counseling services.
0: It tends to feel a little bottomless. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you mentioned, which I think is a really nice mention, is that campuses are doing a lot of great work and basically helping the whole community respond so that the counseling center is not the hammer for every mental health nail. Um, and so this can then turn into things like giant campus-wide mental health fairs so that we're creating awareness, training staff and faculty so they can be first-line responders when they see students in distress because students often only want to talk to the people they know. And so helping staff, faculty, fellow students, RAs, Um, be responsive to students when they see distress and act as preventively as possible so we can keep mental health concerns at the lowest rates we can.
1: That was Barry Schreier, Director of the University Counseling Service at the University of Iowa. He's also Communications Committee Chair at the Association of University and College Counseling Center Directors. Barry, thanks so much for speaking with us. Thanks for the call. You are always invited to be a part of the conversation on On Second Thought. We have a Facebook group, GPB Radio's On Second Thought. We're on Twitter at OST Talk. Or you can email us. we at onsecondthought at gpb.org. You can also leave a message at 404-500-9457. You heard music today by RJD2. And as we head into the break, we're listening to Nostrand by Ratatat. When we come back, Dr. Joy Harden, host of the podcast Therapy for Black Girls, talks about access, acceptance, and providing support without the couch. That's when on Second Thought returns. I'm Virginia Prescott. Stay with us.